The U.S. defense industry is large, complex, and competitive. It is also lucrative for those companies able to navigate it successfully. The American Society of Military Comptrollers helps bridge the gap between the boardroom and the battlefield while supporting transformation in the defense sector. The Business of Defense podcast brings you inside the companies working to achieve this directly from the business leaders and to understand how they create value for their companies and their customers. For more information on ASMC, visit asmconline.org. Flag them down, get her over there, tell her she's on fire. Didn't believe me because it was underneath. She couldn't see it at the time. Um, Luckily, everybody got out. Uh, Nobody got hurt, but the vehicle was burned to the ground. Total loss. So, But definitely a scary situation overall. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. Well, first off, I got to say, I'm working with a handicap tonight. Uh, apparently, there is a, a battery alert on a smoke alarm in the house someplace. So the dog is under my desk. She she does not like that chirpy noise. I swear, if I hear that beep <laughs> once. <laughs> that would be good around April, during the April Fool's episode, you know? Uh, put put right. in the... Uh, the Every 60 seconds. <laughs> little chirp, yeah, little <laughs> battery low chirp. Hey, you know, it doesn't matter if you uh, have a Jeep, want a Jeep, or never driven anything but Jeeps, this show's for you. Josh, Tammy, Wendy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about dogs under the desk. Chirpy beeps. Jeeps, of course. Jeep, jeep. <laughs> Hello, fellow jeeper. Welcome to the show. I'm Josh, and on this episode, we're going to try and help out a local hero. We'll find out what is still stinking in Michigan, and I've got a story about a Jeep structural test that you just won't believe the results of. And later, we get spooky with scary stories from the Jeep. Twenty people in Michigan just went outside to sniff, just to try to figure out if they're in the the affected area. You know, arms raised, you know, nose under the armpit. It's not me. That's right. It's not me. It's all good. So I'm Tony, and tonight we'll be talking about MPG miles per gallon for the 2021 Jeep Talk Show Gladiator. It's uh, it's not as bad as you think. <laughs> Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. How about a Jeep ride to benefit a Marine injured in the Kabul airport bombing? Yeah, I'm all behind this one. It's been no secret that for over 10 years, we here on the Jeep Talk Show have backed our men and women in the armed forces 100%. So if you live in or near Brookville, Indiana, it's not going to be too late to purchase tickets to support a local hero. Corporal Kelsey Lanehart was badly injured during the suicide attack at the airport in Kabul on August 26th, that also left 13 other service members dead. Lanehart suffered trauma to her spinal cord, among a whole laundry list of other injuries, and it may take up to two years of rehab to get her walking again. But she and her doctors are optimistic. The We Walk with Kelsey side-by-side Jeep ride will take place on Sunday, November 7th. That's just around the corner from the time that we are recording this. It's going to happen at St. Leon American Legion in Brookville, Indiana. Jeeps will be hitting the road at noon, so don't be late. Proceeds from the event will go directly to Kelsey Linehart, who continues to recover from her injuries sustained in that suicide bombing in Kabul. Linehart is currently staying at a facility in Chicago where she continues physical therapy. Tickets may be purchased for $45 per vehicle through November 7th at 11 o'clock a.m. The event will also feature a chili dinner, basket raffle, split the pot, and other fun events. To purchase tickets, we will have a link in the show notes for this episode at jeeptalkshow.com. 
I don't, <clears throat> I don't know about you, Josh, but uh, <laughs> I could sure go for a few mean tweets right now and uh, uh, not uh, uh, have Marines injured and dead and uh, American citizens uh, uh, oh, injured and killed. You know, absolutely. I'll just, absolutely. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I, I was going to say, let's go, Brandon, but you know. <laughs> Well, uh, round two, I think, is where we're at right now. It's time to fight! Now, back in episode 516, which aired back in the third week of September, we shared a story about how the Mac assembly plant, where the Grand Cherokee L is currently being made, is emitting some foul odors. These odors aren't like the ones coming from Uncle Bob after a trip to Taco Bell. Residents complaining of paint fumes and other caustic chemical-like smells, irritation to the nasal passages, lungs, eyes, and even the skin. Well, the state of Michigan has issued a second violation now against the new Jeep plant in Detroit, this time for insufficient controls on chemical emissions, and it's giving more ammunition to residents around the plant who have health concerns. Apparently, during an inspection on August 12th and 13th, inspectors observed in the Mac Assembly Plant's paint shop VOC, or Volatile Organic Compound Emissions, that were not being ducted to a regenerative thermal oxidizer. This is a system that destroys such compounds and is a requirement of Stellantis Envy's air quality permit to operate in the area. Residents living along Beneteau Street uh, bordering the plant, some who now look upon the facility literally from their backyards, have petitioned the company and protested at its events, demanding the automaker do more to protect its neighbors. Stellantis is now required to correct the violation situation and submit a written response to the state feds by November 10th with an explanation of the causes and duration of the violation, what actions it is taking to correct the violation, and how it will prevent a reoccurrence. Stellantis spokeswoman Jody Tinson said in the most recent press release, quote, The plant has been and continues to be in full compliance with the permitted emission limits. We will work to address this issue promptly. The Mac plant has been down since Monday due to a global, global chip shortage of microchips. It's slated to resume production on Thursday. This is a continued attack on masculinity. Uh, it's a well-known fact that men smell, and this like, is like paint. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is the direction. No, no, not just paint, but all kinds of smells, bad smells, enough to irritate eyes and nasal passages. Okay, of course. <laughs> I mean, if you're if, if you're if you're a manly man, yes. <laughs> so I just see this as a uh, a personal attack uh, on on men across the country. Uh, pretty soon, it's going to be Old Spice uh, for everyone. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, no. This is this is. Uh, I mean, this is something else. Obviously, they maybe cut corners. Uh, somebody didn't uh, duct something the way that they were supposed to, and this has been ongoing now for for you know at least a couple it's, months. It's people doing work. They're making things, and yes, there's going to be smells associated with it. Good God. <laughs> Well, I can understand where the complaint is coming from. If you have, you know, a paint booth that is, you know, chugging out, you know, what, a thousand vehicles in a, in a week or something like that, uh, there's going to be a lot of fumes associated with that. And if those fumes aren't being dealt with properly, I can understand how people could be a little bit upset with, uh, by that downwind. Didn't you now, just I read mean, that they're meeting all the, the standards that they're required to meet? Well, they they were under the assumption that the plant was built correctly. Now, there's one duct that didn't get ducted the way that it was supposed to, and, well, now they're in trouble. So, uh, whether okay. that was done on purpose or not, I think, is up for debate. But that is the, the crux of the matter, that, you know, they thought that they were, they, their other, you know, these other paint booths that are in the facility are ducted properly. There are other, you know, installations that are ducted the same way, and they're operating uh, fine, but this one... Well, it wasn't, you know, 
plumbed the way it was supposed to, and now we have a problem. One, so, uh, uh, one, one complainant shows up in Firecracker Red, a whole front face with sunglasses all colored. Only when they paint red, Tony. <laughs> Any other color, the presidents are fun. That's when the smell red, you want out there. That helps encourage people to buy new Jeeps. <laughs> it smells like turpentine and death. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of death, this was a close call for sure. Now, if you ever come across anybody who ever doubts how tough a Jeep really is, well, just reference this story. Because I think if it were any other vehicle in its class, there would be a much different headline to this story. Now, three people suffered only minor injuries Tuesday morning when an empty logging truck appeared to drift over the center line on Route 4 and struck a southbound Jeep, according to a report filed by State Trooper uh, Blake Conrad. The truck was driven by Rene Cagnon of Quebec. I'm sure it's pronounced Gagnon, uh, you know, French and all that, uh, from Canada. Uh, the Jeep was operated by 23-year-old Caitlin Adams of New Sharon, Maine. The Jeep spun several times, rolled over into a ditch, while the truck is believed to have continued in the southbound lane and into a ditch itself. The logging truck driver, the driver of the Jeep, and her passenger, 25-year-old Lucas Newell, were all taken by North Star EMS ambulances to Franklin Memorial Hospital in Farmington, where they were treated and released for minor injuries. The crash was reported at 6.50 a.m. near 675 Farmington Road, which is Route 4, not far from the Farmington line. It remains under investigation. You know, you got to wonder, um, when you, you see these things, and it just makes sense that they were taken to the hospital after, uh, after a major crash, but uh, there, there are some of us that think about what's it going to cost me. <laughs> you know, I'm up. There's no, uh, there's nothing dangling that's not supposed to be dangling. Uh, do I really need to go to the hospital and get charged an insane amount of money for them to say, eh, you're okay? Well, when it's not your fault. I mean, if you had, you know, stepped out of your uh, front porch and uh, and off the step wrong and, and you know bust up your ankle or something, well, that's all on you. Uh, but uh, you know, if a semi truck, a logging truck drifts over the center line and clips you throwing you into a ditch and rolling over and stuff i mean i mean come on that is all on them and yeah i'm gonna take a ride my neck and my back and uh you know all well, that sort of stuff. that that actually for for future lawsuit it might be a good thing but uh from the standpoint of uh who's going to be on the hook for that money uh it's going to be you until the lawsuit settled or if the company is does the right thing and says yeah we'll cover it but but you're you know you're on the hook for that anyway i, I guess i'm just too cheap i, I the, the, the no, hospital I'm, stuff I'm with, is so expensive I'm, these days what 25 years ago or, or more i put my head through the windshield of a 1978 toyota pickup in a nasty accident and i, I for weeks was picking glass out of my forehead did i go to the hospital no, not one bit. Now, I was at the scene with somebody else's shirt wrapped around my skull because I was bleeding so bad. And are, are you sure you don't want to go to the hospital? No, I'm fine. It's just, you know, a head wound. They, they bleed like this. And, you know, after about, you know, 15, 20 minutes, everything kind of stopped. And, and I was fine, more or less, just shaking up and all that. But, yeah, I mean, I put my head through the windshield of a truck and, and I walk away and live to tell the tale. And I'm just fine for it. But, no, I'm just kidding. Uh but no, seriously. I mean, uh, you get a, in a head-on collision with a with a semi truck and 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 essentially are able to walk away from the scene. Uh, that that is an amazing story and and a true testament to how tough Jeeps really are. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, that's great, great to hear. And I apologize for going the cheap route on the story. <laughs> just thinking, I'm just thinking, who's going to pay for this? Damn it! I mean, and beyond the the Jeep, you know, like oh my God, the 
my baby it's it's gone and you you broke oh, it yeah. you know no, there's no coming back from this one that that jeep is totaled uh, i mean there's yeah dude you don't get into a head-on collision with a semi-truck and ah oh, that'll buff out no we can pull that no it's fine have it back to you in a week <laughs> that jeep is done well, if you've got a news tip or response to any one of our stories, we want to hear what you have to say. Be sure to let us know. You can do it by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how to reach out. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. And the 4x4 Radio Network knows that, uh, you know, the off-road is more than just Jeeps. And uh, it, we've got something for everybody over there. So tell your friends. We've got the 4x4 Radio Network one-stop shop for all your off-road podcasting needs. On the Trail Podcast, Trail Chasers, the Center Steer Podcast, the 4x4 Podcast, even the Jeep Talk Show is there. Lots of great off-road shows. It's all in one spot. It's all for free, too. All you got to do is go to 4x4radionetwork.com. We'll see you there. Gladiator. My name is Gladiator. Gladiators. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Gladiator. All right. Well, let's talk about a extremely scary topic uh, to all Jeepers everywhere. Well, I don't want to say all Jeepers, but the, the proper Jeeps, the ones solid axles that have uh, piss poor uh, gas mileage. <laughs> oh, I've got one of those. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I think it's every Jeeper everywhere. It's part of the part of the therapy uh, for the show is that, uh, you know, it, it, you can't be driving it. So let's uh, let's think about it. Anyway, this is uh, about the. Uh, this is going to be for the uh, Jeep Gladiator Sport S with the Max Tow package and 410 gears, all factory. Now, I got this thing back in uh, the last part of April, like the last last couple of days of April, I believe. So uh, the uh, I, I knew at that at that time after uh, cal- recording and calculating the uh, miles per gallon on my '98 uh, Jeep Cherokee for for many years, but not from when it was brand new. That I was going to do that with the uh, the Gladiator to get, get the the mileage from very the big, very beginning and see what these modifications do to the mile per gallon. Now I'll tell you this: the miles per gallon work is calculated by noting the odometer mileage and gallons put into the tank. Not, I repeat, not using the onboard MPG calculator. Now I do I do need to go back and compare these things, but. I my my gut feeling is is that the the one the the computer if you will that's that's calculating it is not going to be doing it as accurately as what I'm doing because I'm taking um, finite measurements. You know what what does the odometer say uh, for this fill up? How many miles have been traveled um, and uh, how many gallons were put in? I mean, th- there's there's some wiggle room in there, but that's pretty damn be pretty damn close. Now, keep in mind, too, that uh, miles per gallons is very much affected about how you drive, when you drive, uh, just a bunch of different things. So, you have to calculate uh, your mile per gallon over a long period of time to get an idea of what it really is. And, and even then, it's going to be, this is what it is under this circumstance. Like, for example, the first part of uh, May and June and, I guess, even July, there were several trips in there to Hidden Falls. And that's primarily uh, all highway traffic, uh, traveling at a constant, pretty much a constant speed mm-hmm. and a constant RPM, which is wonderful for miles per gallon, depending on how much wind there is, where the wind's coming from, et cetera, et cetera. So you can tell there's a lot to, a lot to the miles per gallon. 
Uh, and frankly, I don't know how they come up with it for the EPA. I mean, I, I do know they have a track and they do all this other crap, but it's so unrealistic. It's it's a uh, a uh, a grenade on a hand grenade at its best. Well, I'm glad you you brought that up because according to the U.S. Department of Energy and the EPA, United States Environmental Protection Agency, uh, and uh, FuelEconomy.gov, the official U.S. government source for fuel economy information, uh, the 2021 Jeep Gladiator with a six-cylinder, 3.6-liter, and the uh, automatic eight-speed transmission gets a combined a city and highway MPG rating of 19. Oh, okay. uh, and so you're, you're you're I mean you're a little bit off of that. Um, now we compare that to the same vehicle, but in the uh, three-liter eco diesel, uh, which gets a combined five miles per gallon more. Uh, and I'm really kind of curious uh, if we can get uh, if he's out there listening right now, uh, Randy, uh, who was with us at the uh, the um, Jeep Talk Show Hidden Falls event. Uh, he had an eco diesel Gladiator, and I don't know what kind of mileage he uh, drove to get there or back or whatnot, but I'd be curious to see what his numbers on his and it's pretty much a bone stock uh, 2021 jeep gladiator eco diesel um and uh kind of kind of curious to see what his miles per gallon are in comparison to this as well and if they are uh off the same amount as yours is right and, and also to remember um you, if you do call in and let us know what your mile per gallon is let us know how it was calculated if it's something that you read That's off the point. screen or good if point. it's something that you manually have been manually calculating and when i say manually i've got an app on my phone all i do is plug in the numbers and it, it calculates the the miles per gallon for me so anyway and i'm glad you mentioned that josh because i forgot to mention uh in this uh, this part about the uh, 3.6 uh, v6 uh now i do have uh the heavier duty axles the same ones that come on the gladiator and the 410 gears uh, in those axles probably play a little bit into the what what the final MPG is going to be because I, I think on the highway one mile per gallon or more yeah. for you know gear sets sure yeah so actually uh, the uh, the the well so the, the 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 nice folks over at Chrysler uh, <laughs> Jeep Dodge <laughs> South Southwark Chrysler Jeep Dodge. Uh, we're uh, good enough to fill up the uh, the tank, and, and I believe they do this for everybody that buys a new vehicle from them. So I didn't actually have to put any fuel in the, the vehicle until uh, the early part of May. So that first fill-up gave me 15.45 miles per gallon. Now, in June, I hit a high of 17.36, and I guess it for the next uh, four or five, six fill-ups, it uh, floated around 16 miles per gallon, uh, but then I hit uh, a high, and this is the highest I've had, 17.46 in July. Now, the 35-inch tires were put on mid-September, and since then, my high has been 14.68. Now, I don't think that that lost me you know, three miles per gallon. I think that has a lot to do with the driving because uh, in, uh, in September, there was highway driving back and forth to Hidden Falls, but there was also wheeling, <laughs> which mm. is not a good mile per gallon. <laughs> uh, so uh, anyway, it, it, I'm glad you brought up the 19. I didn't I, actually. I've got the sheet right here in front of me. I could have looked it up, but uh, so getting 17 uh, with uh, me pressing the little pedal, having fun with those 410 gears, and uh, sure. the additional uh, power from uh, the 3.6 over the 4.0 I was used to. 17 uh, is not too bad. Not too shabby, no. Uh, quick question for you. Uh, judging by your seat of the pants meter, 
Uh, did you lose any grunt going from the thirty going to, uh, from the stock tires to the thirty fives? Somewhat. Uh, it's not anything I would say is super noticeable, uh, but I I, th- I think but a lot there. of that has to do with the four ten gears. Very good. Very yep, good. Yep. So I'll be revisiting uh, the miles per gallon in the future. So don't miss an episode of the Jeep Talk Show, or you might miss a uh, miles per gallon update. Uh, well, and I'm really curious, Tony, about the comparison between the onboard computer and and the app on your phone, and, and whether or not they're they're doing the same kind of math, really. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't know how it keeps up with it unless it's uh, if they have a sensor in there that uh, measures fuel flow. Uh, if they, I think that if they were able to measure that, and well, they should have the 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 miles traveled. So yeah, I'll be I'm about to go back and look at that and see what it says. I have to. Uh, I'm not that familiar with it. I haven't pay, been paying any uh, attention to that. Uh, this cursory. Well, I'm, I'm uh, kind of like, curious to see if if um, the onboard computer needs any adjustment because the tire size to to do any sort of compensation and whether or not your taser uh, device can can do that or it has it done al- already. Well, as soon as I put the tires on, I adjusted it with uh, with the taser, so the the computer should be aware okay. of, of the tire size i mean the 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 uh speedometer indicates you know the correct amount of miles per hour as uh, compared to gps so i would i wouldn't think that there would be anything additional that you'd have to do to the computer to get, no. it, get it correct no, not that. Yeah. yeah so it, it, in fact i think if it was the case i would see much lower uh mpg i'm just kind of curious is if they have swayed it one way or another weighted it more well that, that's positive. what i'm wondering and so, you know, every time that you're starting to plug numbers into that app, you know, you know, pop onto the infotainment center and, and, and start pulling up that information and, and recording it. Let's let's get, you know, maybe, you know, three or four weeks worth of numbers. I don't know how often you're filling up, actually. So, I mean, maybe it's only once a month, but uh, but let's get some numbers going and, and see if we can't track this a little bit and and get, you know, a series of, you know, anywhere between three and five numbers so we can uh, determine if there's a pattern uh, and, and see if there's any differences and how to track that. Yeah. So if you're wondering uh, if you have a Gladiator or you're thinking about getting a, a Gladiator, uh, the uh, this is, uh, again, the uh, Sport S Max Tow Package, 410 gears, uh, the six-cylinder uh, 3.6 uh, V6, and uh, the eight-speed automatic transmission. Uh, and it has uh, some uh, heavy-duty uh, crusher motor-built uh, bumpers front and rear, so there's additional weight on the, the front and rear of the, uh, of the Gladiator. And uh, the Nexon 35 by 12 and a half by 17 uh, tires, which uh, I think those things are like 70 pounds a piece. Uh, so and and a spare that it's uh, that it's carrying. So I would say that uh, out of all the modifications that have been made, those would be the one the ones that were probably the most um, uh, negative, I guess, towards the mile per gallon. Oh, but I yep. guess maybe one positive would be is that uh, I have the best top. Uh, say it for me, toner. Tano, Tano, uh, Tano cover, uh, which uh, I would think would help the uh, MPG uh, on the highway because it uh, deflects uh, the uh, the air from going down in the bed and maybe causing a little uh, uh, a little drag there that is now uh, not causing as much drag because it's uh, hitting that cover and sliding right off. At least that's my theory. Yep, yep. No, I think it's been proven. I don't know if MythBusters ever did it, but. Uh uh, there's been a whole industry of you know people making mesh tailgates and and you'll see a bunch of trucks uh, rolling around without tailgates because it will produce a noticeable amount of MPGs by uh, by either installing a tonneau cover or removing your tailgate. Yeah, I don't think it would be a mile per gallon or anything, but you know, but maybe a, a partial, maybe a half, 
uh, mile per gallon. And I think, I mean, aerodynamics really? play a big role. So, yeah. Well, that'd be great. I mean, if uh, <clears throat> if a three hundred dollar uh, cover uh, would save me uh, twelve hundred dollars a year in gas, it'd be w- well worth it. I'd say at least pay for itself in its first year. <laughs> Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? I love the show. I've listened to you guys free for, I don't know, years now, and I figure I'd time to give back. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. It'll just uh, help help the show out, and, and then in the end, it'll be Jeep Talk Show in my ear holes, you know? Just go to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. It'd be nice to give back to uh, so that you guys can continue on, because if they love the show, then why shouldn't you, why shouldn't you give back just a little bit oh yes speaking of giving back tony we've had a couple of subscribers uh come out of the woodworks over the last couple few weeks and uh and help help the show out and all that's going to do is help us get the jeep talk show to some big jeep events in the near future uh and we've got our eyes set on the easter jeep safari of 2022 so that's uh i'm pretty sure we're going to do everything we can to try and make that happen uh we had an invite to uh to attend sema this year uh, just wasn't in the cards. But uh, the more that you guys uh, hop on board and support the Jeep Talk Show, the more chances we're going to get to get out and uh, get to these big shows and get you guys some unique and one-of-a-kind uh, content and some great information. Yeah, we spent all our money getting Josh out there to uh, Hidden Falls. And, well, I, and, and I guarantee too. you. That was well, expensive to take me home. Well, it was it was nice that we could get you back, too. But the, the, the main idea was getting you down there. Uh, it was it was wonderful getting you there, and I'll tell you that it was. I think that was more important than us going to SEMA any day of the week. Um, oh sure, sure. I'd, I'd go to I'd go to Hidden Falls for another GTS event than uh, than SEMA. Now, although we could get uh, you know some more interviews with industry professionals and and things like that with SEMA, there'd be a lot more Jeep porn, as it were, by getting the you know some great pictures and and seeing those concept vehicles and all that sort of stuff. But as fun as that may be, it's a lot more fun to connect with you the listeners and, yep. and get out and and these grassroots events type of stuff and the jeep talk show is going to be doing more events uh as the years go on the months go on and stuff as we're kind of rolling into fall and winter right now uh wheeling is going to come to a little bit of a of a slowdown uh there's talks about it maybe a southern california event uh, in the near future but uh, uh we'll see how that pans out and how many beaver nugget stories are there going to be from sema this year i, it's I, gonna- I think none <laughs> I think that's going to be a Jeep Talk Show event staple from now on. I, I'm, I'm looking into shipping a crate of those things in here. So, <laughs> damn you! I hate all of you for getting me addicted to those damn. And things. you know, it was just—it's just something that we have here. I didn't think anything of it. It's like beaver nuggets. I just think no, I'm trying to think of what I've got here in Oregon that you guys would find like crack out down there, but I can't think of a damn thing. <laughs> From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, last week you guys talked about the 11-year-old kid who stole a Jeep and led police on a high-speed pursuit and uh, threw a gun from the from the vehicle. I would say that sounds about like an average day here in North Carolina, but there's no way that happened in North Carolina. You know how I can tell? Because the police didn't pull him over with his 14-year-old sister on his lap. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, that's not why I'm calling. Hope not. Calling to tell you that I went to my first gender reveal party. (laughs) Yeah, I was surprised to find out I was the only one there naked. (laughs) 
All right, boys and girls, I'll chat you later, and you have a good one. Bye. Biggie G was arrested, but later <laughs> let go for lack of evidence. <laughs> oh! <laughs> it's an old one, but Nikki oh. G will appreciate it. <laughs> This is Zach from CNM Jeeps. This is Lisa Simon from Chim Perfect. This is Alan Peterson with Painless Performance Wiring. This is Amy from TNA Decal. This is Neil from SFJ4x4.com. This is Randall Spear, Motorsports Manager from Dana Aftermarket. This is Paul Wolf from ENI USA RM. I'm John Eastmore from Black Forest. This is Nathan Leahy from Mickey Thompson Tires and Wheels. And you're listening to the Jeep Talk Show. A nice big Jeep wave goes out to all of our friends and fans in the off road industry. We thank you for your support. Hey guys, it's Bob. Jeep, Jeep guys from the Zoom room. I listened to last week's show when Josh talked about the magnetic cable ends, and I have used those things for years and love them. But I recently got a new Galaxy phone that doesn't have a memory card slot or a 3.5 uh, headphone jack, and that is an issue because in order to use either thing now, I have to use a dongle on the phone plugged into the charging port, and the magnetic tip that you put into your charging port on those cables, every one I've ever removed from one of my devices has broke apart, and I end up using needle-nose pliers to pull the pieces out. doesn't damage the charging port or anything, but if you had to remove it very often, I think it'd become an issue. If you're all Bluetooth and cloud, you don't need those any of those other things with the dongle, Magnetic chargers are the best thing in the world. Talk to you guys later. Well, thanks, Bob. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. I, I noticed that on the uh, on the images uh, close up of the ends of those little magnetic ends uh, that it's got a couple of barbed uh, spring clip type things uh, that goes on the part that goes into the phone. So uh, that makes sense uh, because you don't want it just popping out very easily, especially if that charging port has seen a few thousand cycles already. Uh, and so they, they incorporate that to where it resists being pulled out. Uh, I, you would think that they would include some sort of a tool, you know, push in on the center or something like that, and it, and it retracts those. Uh, but, uh, but no, they, they don't want you to pull those things out. I'm surprised you didn't damage the recharging port, honestly, because uh, it looks like those things would have a good grip on them. Great point to bring up, though, Bob. Thanks for the call and for the endorsement. Yeah, I, I really think that the, the not having the audio jacks on the, the phones is really going to be a long-term uh, big mistake. Uh, I think it's going to cause more, more issues than, uh, than what it solves. And, of course, it, what it solves is it saves them point zero 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 three nine tenths of a percent over uh, uh, 10 million uh, units. Uh, no, seriously. I mean, you look up the price of, of, you know, these kind of components for, you know, a surface mount or a through-hole mount on a circuit board for these, you know, for a, a, a micro SD card, you know, mount or something like that. They are pennies. They are literally pennies, uh, if not fractions of a penny. Right. Uh, and, and so you're, you're 100% right. You know, they're, they're, they're really not saving a whole lot here. Uh, but what they're doing to the convenience of the, of the end user is, is immeasurable. Well, and, and uh, it also t- uh, puts uh, more money in their pocket because you get to sell adapters with aftermarket. Oh, sells, true. Sells, yeah, it sells these that adapters. Very crap to go with it. Sure, yeah, I yeah. get. It. So I, yeah, I can I can quite easily see that if you wanted to, it's like the uh, I've got a uh, Galaxy Note 10 uh, uh, Plus, and it has it has nothing. All it has is a charging port. Frankly, I think if they could charge via Bluetooth, they they would charge it uh, via Bluetooth. Uh, and uh, I had to get an adapter. I got these little. Uh, uh, before getting this phone, 
I got uh, some uh, wireless uh, lapel uh, microphones. And then I got it, and, and I, I had to upgrade my phone. And I went, oh, where am I going to plug this into? So I had to investigate getting <laughs> getting an adapter so that I could use those uh, lapel microphones or that l- lapel microphone, wireless lapel microphone. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I mean, as, as time progresses, you figure out a way and you get the adapters. I understand. But uh, it's, uh, it's, it's hard. You know, how do you not use headphones that don't require power? I mean, <laughs> they're always ready to go. <laughs> and uh, even these uh, these Apple earbuds, people are, are tying strings to them because they keep losing them. You know, and so <laughs> they wind up being like a wired headset. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, but good point. I didn't even think about that. It, you got to make it uh, where it doesn't come out very easy, and uh, that could be a, an issue and damaging over a number of uh, uh, Absolutely. number of Absolutely. times. You must have needed this every day. I need it. It's the Jeep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. Now, we've often talked here on the show about reverse lighting and how a lot of Jeeps really from the factory uh, really leave a lot of something to be desired. Uh, even the brand spanking new Jeeps uh, really don't have a lot as far as reverse light goes in the lumen department. Well, I found this, and, and this really checks all the boxes, and it looks pretty cool, too. This is an LED reverse light mounting solution, and it bolts right onto the top of the rear tail light housing of the Jeep Wrangler JK. Now, I'm sure that maybe some uh, some modifications might be able to get you to use this on another, uh, maybe even on a YJ or a TJ. I don't know. Uh, that will be up to you to decide if you want to uh, go down that road or not. Uh, but you simply unscrew the tail lamp lens and put the LED mounting bracket into place on top of the rear brake lamp. Put everything back together, and it's all nice and secure. Custom made with precision laser-cut steel, pressed and formed in-house, then powder-coated black. And if the powder coating were to ever chip or uh, scratch off or anything like that, well, they still won't rust as they're made from 100% American stainless steel. Easy bolt-on installation, no drilling required, lifetime, limited lifetime uh, product warranty, and a three-year warranty on the finish itself. Manufactured by Z-Roads Off-Road Products in Corona, California, 100% made in the USA. Now, you could buy these with lights directly from the manufacturer for $213.46. But we here at the Cheap Talk Show think that you are more than capable of picking out your own lights. So we found you a deal to get these brackets for only $71 with all the hardware included. How about that? Well, that's not bad. Not too shabby at all, actually. Uh, because, honestly, you can get these, uh, these you know, the little three-inch pod uh, LED pod lights uh, that, I mean, you can get them on Amazon for like 25 bucks, 30 bucks, something like that. So uh, really save yourself a whole bunch of money. Uh, get yourself one of these brackets. Find yourself some LED lights if you don't already have a set sitting on the workbench uh, and, and really improve the, uh, the rear end lighting of your Jeep. I wonder if that, because uh, uh, in, the, in the image that you have there in uh, the host show notes uh, that we'll uh, have up on the, uh, the Jeep Talk Show show notes, I wonder if that would interfere with uh, top removal, the hard top removal. I mean, if it was a soft top, no big deal. But in the image you have, there's a hard top, and it's uh, you know very much over the uh, uh, the lip of that uh, where the hard top mounts to the body. So no, I think that's more of an optical illusion. I think that there's a little bit of uh, superimposition uh, here, and there's uh, you know kind of an optical illusion going on. I, I I don't think that it protrudes any further back past the the mounting surface of the taillight itself. So essentially, right a flush with the rear body of, of the Jeep. 
I'm now, just saying you'd have to you'd have to lift the the, uh, the hard top up uh, another inch or, or a couple inches actually to clear oh, that light. I see what you're saying as as to in order to clear the light. Yeah, because yeah. ordinarily all you'd have to do is come up a half inch and then just come straight back. Uh, this you would have to lift the top up a little bit higher in order to you know move move the top backwards from the Jeep. Yeah. So yeah, uh, you're you're 100 right, Tony. Good good point. No uh, <laughs> no no modification goes unpunished. Uh, and also too, I, I'll mention that uh, I have had very good luck uh, in uh, doing uh, the LED light search and making sure I include the word Cree, which is the brand of LED mm. that is used in the light. Yeah, the actual um, LED emitter, the chipset. Yeah, the, yeah, the chip itself. The, yeah. the the heart of the of the whole thing, but uh, Cree C R E E. So the uh, only other one that I would uh, throw on uh, throw my uh, my towel in the ring uh, with that Tony would be uh, Osram O S R A M. Uh, I think they come out of the UK. Uh, typically, I think a little bit higher price point, but uh, as far as bang for your buck goes uh, and reliability, uh, really uh, the Cree and Osram are at the top of the list. I thought Osram was a uh, brand of an entire light, and they did something special with the uh, uh, the focus, like the lens that they had over the top of the, the LED emitter. I, I think was they, more they're one focused. of those companies. I think they're one of those companies that that do a whole host of lighting products. Uh, but I know that they have they have bulbs and uh, you know uh, emitters, if you will, All chips. Right. All right. Yeah, I remember when the Osram stuff came out. There was a a lot of uh, YouTube uh, stuff on there about uh, not really more light, but a more focused beam, which is kind of oh. the problem, which is kind of the problem with, uh, with LEDs. And I, and I may be wrong in my assumption. That's just what I remember seeing whenever they're comparing uh, like LED lights, uh, light bars to Osram uh, LED light bars, that it was just more focused. And of course, if you can take the, <laughs> take the LED light that's going up to 50,000 feet and bring it down to, you know, the ground that's going to be brighter. <laughs> yeah, make use of those lumens uh, and focusing them where they need to be. Yeah, 100%. Yep. I agree. Yep. So, anyway, uh, regardless, uh, a good find. Well, if you are thinking that you must have a set of these brackets for your own Jeep, well, then we're going to make it easy for you to get all hooked up. Just go to the JeepTalkShow.com website and look for the link in the show notes for episode 528. I don't like these woods. They're all scary and spooky. Let me turn on the LEDs. Let <laughs> <laughs> leave daylight. <laughs> now, uh, this is part of the show where we're going to pull up around the uh, campfire and uh, grab a chair, crack a beverage, and talk Jeep. You know, we pull out a topic each and every week, and uh, sometimes it's a, a debate. Uh, sometimes it's more of an open discussion. This week, well, because uh, we're recording this uh, the week before Halloween, uh, we're going to ask the question, what's the scariest moment you've ever had in your Jeep? Ooh, scary, right? <laughs> uh, it could be anything. You know, you, you forgot your wallet. <gasps> oh, you know that feeling, you know, you forgot your cell phone. You're all of a sudden, your heart skips a beat. You know, you realize, oh, crap, my day is just going to go to absolute. It's not going to be the same. Um, you know, whether it's that or that pucker moment when uh, you went over that obstacle and uh, the back end got a little light, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, we want to talk about scary moments in the Jeep, uh, whether it be on road or off, uh, whatever it may be. And we invite you, the listeners, uh, to uh, to come in around the campfire and uh, and crack wise with us. Share your opinion of whatever the topic is that week. And we have a whole bunch of listeners with us tonight that are uh, around the campfire who are going to share some scary stories of, of uh, what happened in their Jeeps. 
Uh, so we're going to get right to it, and, uh, and we're going to let you know right after this segment how you can join in if this is your first time to the show, uh, and you want to get involved and uh, and maybe get in on whatever the topic will be the next following week or next following show, whatever it may be. Uh, we're going to let you know how to do that here in just a little bit, so stick around. Oh, and uh, people can always uh, call in their voicemail line and uh, uh, tell us their scary story there as well. We, we'd love hearing from you guys. If you can't make the, oh. uh, the campfire side chat. Give yeah, just smell. make it a make it a three minute story. You can condense it into three minutes. Uh, <laughs> three three minutes isn't required. It's just under three minutes or less. <laughs> yes, that's that's uh, that's all the time you'll have for uh, for the voicemail. But yeah, good one, good one, Tony. I, that would be nice to get some ghost stories on the voicemail line. Yeah. <laughs> all right, right off the bat, we're gonna go to uh, Travis uh, around the campfire. Travis, what's the scariest moment you've ever had in your Jeep? moment I've had in my Jeep. Uh, probably late 90s. I was driving my Jeep down a little back road that I had grown up and gone down a thousand times and I decided I wanted to add a street sign to my hallway. I had a hallway in my bedroom <laughs> and I saw a street sign. I wanted to take it out and I decided I was going to run over the street sign so I can take it down to get it home but little did i know there was a ditch behind it and i rolled my jeep on its side oh first time ever i've rolled my jeep on its side uh when i went into the ditch and i ran to my buddy's house but i was scared to death a i was gonna get caught trying to steal a street sign b i'm a young man hadn't done anything crazy in my life i've, I've done crazy stuff trust me but I was like, I'm going to get called for this. I'm in trouble for this. What am I going to do? Long, short, short. I rolled my Jeep on its side. I'm sitting there. And wheeling's different. You can roll it on its side. You expect it. But this I didn't and was absolutely scared to death. Long, short, short. I ran to a friend's house, got him in his truck. We towed it back to where it was level, and I drove that Jeep home. But that was the scariest moment I've ever had in my Jeep. Well, don't leave us uh, hanging. Now, what happened with the sign? I was going to say, I'm sure everybody was concerned about <laughs> oh, your well-being. The sign, the sign. I know the question on everybody's mind is, did the, you get the, the sign or not? The sign I did get. I ended up having <laughs> it. I, had a, I lived above a garage, and I had a stairwell in my room, and I loaded it with street signs. And... That got added to. No questions by my parents. No, no, ever. No questions. My brother is actually here tonight. He doesn't own a Jeep currently. He has once in his life, but he can com completely vouch. I had an entire stairwell of street signs up, and that was my story. <laughs> he, had, he, had, he had no street signs. There were, there were none. He didn't have any street signs. <laughs> there's there's one it was it was you know children crossing <laughs> that was it that was it all right good times thank you so much travis for for that story uh we're gonna go over to chris now with seven slats.com be sure to go check that out seven slats.com every jeep grill has seven slats be sure to check yours and check out seven slats.com Chris, various things he, that's ever happened. Yeah, Chris has left the oh, building. Chris is gone? Oh, that's too bad. I'm sure he had a good one for us. All right, moving right along. Bill A. Uh, Billa. <laughs> How about that? Bill, uh, what's the scariest thing that's ever happened in your Jeep? Um, geez, probably I'd say the first time I took my wife out in Moab and Elephant Hill Trail, and she was just 
freaking out or whatever, like, you know, was convinced we were going over the, going to go over the side or whatever. So that was a little, little nerve wracking. So <laughs> uh, first time you get somebody in the rig that's uh, not expecting the off camber moments, uh, it's always entertaining uh, to say the least. Yeah. It's uh, that, that can be a good one, especially if they're uh, a little afraid of heights, uh, kind of like Tammy. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Yeah. No, that could be a, uh, could be a harrowing situation. Uh, all right, Jason here with the last uh, same last name as Travis. I'm guessing that's uh, that's Travis's brother, uh, Jason. So, uh, Jason, uh, I, apparently you had a Jeep at one point in time. Uh, scariest moment you ever had in it? Uh, I, I, I didn't. I didn't have any scary moments in it. I had to be disappointing. No, that's um, but no scary moments. You could have lied, Jason. <laughs> I could have made up something really good. You did, but only long I, I enough. Kinda, and I'm trying to convert was, you back. I, I kind of was put on the spot. I'll tell you, I mean, if you want to know the scariest moment in a car, I'll tell you that. All right. Let, lay it on us then. 1991 Toyota Tercel. I just received my driver's, I just got my driver's license. And it was my first time out on the road by myself. And I took a right turn, a little too sharp, ran off the, the edge, overcorrected, did a 360 in the middle of the road. Thank God there was no other cars coming the other way and ended up going the same direction as what I wanted to go and continued driving. And it um, scared the absolute shit out of me. And I've been a lot more careful and a lot more respectful of vehicles since then. He looked over at the driving instructor and he said, I meant to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I'm that. And Look, sadly, I'm it was Travis. <laughs> um, I, I, was very, I was very lucky. I was very lucky that I didn't hurt myself or anybody else. But that was definitely the, the well, no, it wasn't the scariest moment. But unless you're all ready for another story. <laughs> well, we're going to put a we're going to put a pin in that one and uh, and ask you yeah. for that. The better story, another another campfire side chat. Uh, but good good Absolutely. one nonetheless, Jason. Th- thanks for that. Anytime you, you start putting that car uh, going around and around and around, it gets uh, it gets real interesting real quick. All right, John John Lee, most scariest moment in your Jeep? So I was uh, similar to uh, to Bill. Only it was me, not just the wife or whatever. But the first time I did Black Bear, or the only time I've done Black Bear. Um, when you go down those steps. And right when you're making that right hand turn to go down to where all the switchbacks are, um, you swear that you're going to flip. Like, I mean, there's no, there's no part in your body that thinks that you're going to make that just right. It's like, you're, you're literally doing something that you feel like you shouldn't be doing. Um, and, and it's not a hard trail, obviously, but that the steps right there going in that, that, that just, that, that made me, I was glad I conquered it, so to speak from black bear, but it's not one of those that you want to go do every time. Yeah, seriously. No, anytime the you know back end gets a little bit light, uh, thing you're you're staring straight down. You can feel gravity, and it's it's like you know straight between your legs. Uh, you know, and you're you're pointing straight down. Your nose is pointing towards the ground, and and yeah, you, you know that. Okay, if I don't if I don't give this a little bit of gas, if I add even an ounce of brake pressure, this thing's going to end up on its roof. Yeah, that's that's never a good feeling. I've I've been close a couple of times. Uh, I've actually got a picture in the show notes of a uh, a moment uh, about ten years ago, 2011 uh, or so, uh, when my XJ was nowhere near as built as it is now, 
and uh, and got very very light in one corner of the rear end and uh, and almost put it up on its roof or on its side rather. Uh, and that that was a a very scary moment for for uh, for me over ten years ago uh, or thereabouts. Uh, got a good picture of that. They got a good video of that actually on uh, on YouTube. I'll have to get you guys a link for that one of these days. Uh, but moving right along here, uh, we got Larry Jeep and Mo. Larry, uh, tell us about that time uh, that uh, you know you got into the wrong doorless Jeep in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. So so for me, it was uh, probably taking my daughter out to Colorado. They never been on anything like shelf roads or anything. And mm-hmm. just uh, while it was enjoyable for me, they uh, they were enjoying shelf roads at all or the switchbacks. Um, yeah, it was it was terror for them. Was it the was it the the big drop offs, the the giant cliffs, the you know massive elevation change that was freaking them out? It was a little of all that, especially on those switchbacks. When you pull up to that edge, you can't see anything. You're kind of guessing where the edge is at, feeling that out. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go look, you go look too far, you, you're gonna go all the way down. But uh, yeah, yeah, the, the switchbacks are it's one it's one of those things you don't you don't have things like that in, you know any other areas. So you get exposed to that the you know the first time. That's uh, that's, I'll say it was fun for me, not for them. <laughs> would you do it again? Uh, all things considered, would oh, you would uh, you go back do it all over again? I can't wait to go back. Every time I, every trip I've had to go back there, it uh, keeps getting canceled. So, yeah, uh-huh. I can't wait to get back to Colorado. Yeah, that's one uh, one one spot I haven't been. Well, heck, I haven't I haven't been too many spots uh, much further east than uh, than Idaho. So uh, I, I'm missing out on a lot of terrain. I have to get out there one of these days. All right, Josh Southwick. There's a name I haven't seen on around the campfire before. Josh, tell us about a, a scary moment in your Jeep. Uh well. Well, it's actually a newbie nugget from last week, but I uh, decided to change my name. Uh, so, my um, probably my scariest thing now, I've owned my Jeep for about a year, and I've only had a couple things really go crazy with it. One was a radiator blown out. The other one was after the radiator was fixed, uh, it started accelerating a little mushy. But that was probably the scariest things I've uh, seen so far. But the worst one was when I was going to put some uh, uh, camping stuff in the back. I uh, lifted up that hatch, and all of a sudden, the that back light, uh, that cargo light, started smoking real bad. <laughs> I don't know if it just shorted out or what was going on with it, but all of a sudden, like the whole uh, um, oh, the uh, the headliner. Just bellow smoke. I don't. I don't even know. I don't even know where it was coming from. And at first, and then when I went to grab that light because I could see it, I pulled on it, and the the wiring and everything just just melted as I pulled on it. Uh, so luckily, I ripped it out. I separated the wires, and I think that was the problem. But yeah, having the Jeep almost catch on fire probably was the scariest. No, absolutely, man. That's that's pretty crazy. I, I had something similar happen. It was an old Chevy Spectrum. God, I can't even remember the name. Nineteen eighty nine, maybe something like that. Little crappy eco car, a little subcompact, uh, and uh, and yeah, some wire underneath the dash caught fire, uh, shorted out something, and, and and smoked all the insulation. And I don't know if you've ever seen a wire catch fire. You know the insulation smoke before. 
uh, for those who you know haven't had that experience before, uh, there's a lot of smoke involved and and a very quick amount of time. And uh, and then when it starts pouring out from every crevice and and pore of your headliner, uh, yeah, you for sure are thinking that your Jeep is any moment now going to catch on fire. That would be a scary moment for anybody. Absolutely. Did you ever figure out what happened? I mean, was it just a, a shorted wire? Was it the bulb itself? It sounded like it was actually part of the wiring itself. Yeah, I think it might have been the switch because um, where the wire was put into the uh, the light itself, there's like a little black switch in there. And mm-hmm. that's what turned into goo, basically, when I pulled on it, pulled down on it. That's what basically just turned into just molted uh, plastic. Did you ever fix it? I mean, do you have a, do you have a light back there now or still just a uh, blown fuse in the fuse box and no light in the Jeep? Double of cut wires tucked underneath the headliner. And, yeah, that's about it. It smells like an yes. ashtray. That looks <laughs> Yeah, there's that, that smell of uh, burning electronics is something that's hard to get rid of. And I don't know if there's anything out there that really does it 100%. Because once, once that smoke is out, it's kind of hard to put the genie back in the bottle. Well, uh, Steve-O uh, here with us around the show. Uh, Steve-O, uh, what's the scariest moment uh, that you ever had in your Jeep? Was it when a Prius parked too close to you or, or what? <laughs> Actually, it was uh, earlier this month. Uh, I was off-roading in a park that they open twice a year normally motocross and i was going down a 41 degree incline i had my nalgene bottle which is too big for the couple they're sitting parallel on top of my uh parking brake parking lever and it decided to go flying and ended up underneath my brake and uh, accelerator pedal oh Oh, yeah and i was luckily i was towards the bottom of the hill and i was using the hill descent i was playing around with the hill descent so the jeep was controlling the descent but at the same time when you got something under your feet, between under your pedals, oh, that's not a good oh, feeling. No. So what yeah, you, did you turn the Jeep off? Did you grab for some e-brake? I mean, what what would you do? I did. I was close. I moved my hand to the brake, but like I said, I was right at the bottom of the hill. Fortunately, at the bottom, it was about forty-one degrees on the inclometer, right on the on the pitch, and mm-hmm. I let yeah. it roll, let it roll out. And once we got flat, I, I was able to just kick it out from underneath there. Wow. Did the RPMs get too high at all at one point, or was it just kind of stuck in where you were at and in and, and that kind of position? Just kind of stuck where I was at. I had, like I said, luckily I was playing with the hill descents, and I had it set at, like, I think, 1.3 miles an hour. And Dude, to think if that, would have happened, if that would have happened like in a TJ or something, you know? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. No, dude, that, that would have been a completely different end of the story. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it's one of those, you, all of a sudden, you know, I've had stuff go flying before when you're doing off-roading it happens right but that made me rethink my deployment of my nalgene bottle for sure i have a dent in my rear bumper because my floor mat got stuck underneath my brake pedal and i couldn't stop in time uh so yes i i know all too well (laughs) exactly uh, what happened there yeah absolutely that's it that is a scary moment there steve but at least you had that hill uh hill descent uh uh, going in and man if it wasn't for that geez who knows what would have happened yeah, it, it, I would have definitely either the brakes would have locked in or I would have just gone accelerating down the hill, which, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Bob, two cheap Jeep guys here. Tell us a scary story. I don't have a good scary story in a Jeep. Uh, some off camber, some sliding in the mud. People thought it was going to tip. Uh since high school, I've been referred to as more balls than brains. So, <laughs> I've got some friends like that. 
Definitely not anything in the Jeep scary enough to make me pucker excessively. Uh, uh, any any uh, any, any uh, scary stories from uh, you know uh, your first car back in high school or anything like that? <laughs> My first car was a 1986 Pontiac Grand Dam. Everybody called Grand Spam, and it spent more time in the air than the Duke Boys. <laughs> I used to drive it across ditches and launch it over field approaches to see if I could clear the fences or not. Oh my God. <laughs> Is any wonder the door is still closed on that thing? <laughs> Jeez. They can't. Nor did it drive straight down the road. You can make a No, I'm sure not. I just think the alignment would never be the same. <laughs> my, my older sister was asked one day by someone uh, how many accidents I had been in. And she put a qualifier on it. On purpose accidents or accident accidents? Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's not an accident if you meant to do it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I've been in very few accidents. I've wrecked a lot of cars, but I've been in very few accidents. Oh man, so, there, there's a there's a tattoo for the arm right there. <laughs> a good bumper sticker, I should say. If nothing else. Good times, Bob. Thanks for sharing. Uh, all right, Greg. Greg, uh, tell us about that time that uh, maybe a '99 Toyota Corolla stopped short in front of you. <laughs> Well, I was driving uh, to work one uh, one time on a rainy day, and I was getting off of 465, going on to 65 at a very high, too high of a speed, and I uh, spun out in the MJ and uh, uh, into it down. I went down into the, the those pits, you know, those uh, bowls that they have where you do the uh, you know all, all those exchanges for the roads. Oh yeah, okay. <clears throat> yeah. You know, and I'm talking about those uh, on, on an exit ramp. You know, when you, anyway, I was going from one interstate to another interstate, and and I spun around probably about five or six times. I thought I was going to flip. But fortunately, I didn't. You find and, some black uh, ice or something. Well, it was a rainy day. I think I just got on the gas a little bit too much, and uh, the rear end went out from behind me, and I didn't. I lost control, and I ended up just going spinning around and around in circles down to that. Down to the bottom of it, I was able to get out of it and end up and having a flat tire is all I had, and it just broke the bead off the rim. I was able to get it put it, took it to the shop, and they were able to clean it all up, and it went went back on just fine. But scared the crap out of me. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I mean, at any point in time, you could have uh, grabbed an edge, and uh, all of a sudden that Jeep would have been airborne, or you know, right onto its side really quick, and and a much different end of the story. Jeez, that's yeah. That and I was a young. I was, was there anybody with kid, you? No, it was just me. I was a, a young kid. I didn't know what I had. I ended up selling the MJ for a bigger Dodge Ram because I wanted to have a full size truck rather than a, a you know, a mid size. So, knowing what you I know done. now, knowing what you know now, would you have sold that truck? Oh hell no! Had <laughs> <laughs> <That> a boy. <laughs> right on. Good answer. All right, Nathan from Pittsburgh. Nathan, do you have a scary Jeep story for us? Yeah, definitely. Uh, did a lot of stupid stuff over the years in many vehicles, but hands down, scariest story ever would have been from this July here, this year, driving along with daughters and uh, their friends and my Jeep Gladiator with me, look up and see that my wife's Renegade underneath the hood is on fire, and it's my wife and my infant son in it. So 
had to flag them down, get her over there, tell her she's on fire. Didn't believe me because it was underneath. She couldn't see it at the time. Um, luckily, had to flag them down, get her over there, tell her she's on fire. Didn't believe me because it was underneath. She couldn't see it at the time. Um, luckily, everybody got out. Uh, nobody got hurt, but the vehicle was burned to the ground. Total loss. So, But oh definitely God. a scary situation overall. Luckily, everybody got out. Uh, nobody got hurt, but the vehicle was burned to the ground. Total loss. So, But oh definitely God. a scary situation overall. I've yeah, heard, especially when family's involved. I've heard that those uh, renegades uh, can get quite depressed and uh, commit suicide. Oh, <laughs> well, we, we, we had plenty of fun with this one. We actually had it out at the uh, Bantam Jeep Fest, and uh, she had a little too much fun in the woods, did a number on it. We actually had to get towed out of there. So I think it had something to do with that after the repair there. we uh, It was about done after that. Well, I was gonna say, I'm sure I'm glad you got out. your family out of there, though. Yeah, seriously. I, I was going to say, did you ever find out what the cause was? Uh, that was the insurance company was still investigating that, but they basically closed everything, and it was between them and the repair facility at that point, and no longer really involved me. But the damage from the trail, we crushed the oil filter and oil cooler assembly underneath the front end. So I imagine there was probably some oil leaking out there, and you know that with the hot exhaust. Man, and she was doing some wheeling. <laughs> oh yeah, no, she was not effing around. Time. Yeah, I had that thing. I had a lift on that, 29-inch tires, did the pinch seam mod. We had some fun with that, Renegade. Very good. Very good. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? You make it your own, you go have some fun with it, and you burn it to the ground. When <laughs> burn it done. to the ground, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Living the dream, Nathan. Living the dream. Oh, yeah. All right. We got one more here uh, with us tonight. Uh just goes by the name User. Uh, you got you, <laughs> Do you have a scary Jeep story for us? Are you talking about me? Uh, must be. Uh, you're the only one uh, with a user uh, username of, of user screen name. It just well, on mine it says Garrett, but uh, okay. You may you may have changed it. I have to grab the information and put it up for Josh to see. Yeah, see and I'm just names. going off of a I'm just going off of a screen grab that, that Tony provides. So my apologies okay. if I ever uh, mispronounce or or call your name wrong or anything like that. So uh, by all means, user, please go on. Okay. Probably just uh, driving it around this week. Uh, drove it a couple times at work. I just put on a high clearance skid, and um, I need. I got some clearance issues, and uh, I'm just scared that I'm going to break my U-joints and my drive shaft because I need to put my lift on so I can adjust the pinion angle and then also get a double carbon drive shaft and everything. So it's a little sketchy to drive right now. Are, now are you uh, are you like metal on metal? I mean, is there some interference? Are you hearing some clacking, some clanging, some noises that you probably shouldn't be hearing? Well, it's just the transfer case is touching on the tub a little bit, and I just need to space it out until I get drive shaft for it and everything. So that's all it needs. So but, are you going to you going to do use like a spacer kit, a little drop kit, or are you going to clock the transfer case? Oh, I'm just going to space it right now, and then I'm going to clearance my tub, and then. Uh, I'm going to get a dry shaft, and once I get my lift on and everything, I can adjust the pinion angle and everything and do all that. So it's just a little sketchy because I'm scared I'm going to break a dry shaft when I'm driving down the road. I, I hear you. I mean, uh, it all depends on how much that suspension is, is cycling and whether or not your slip yoke is bottomed out. Uh, you probably shouldn't have too much to worry about. I mean, providing you're not jumping your Jeep or anything like that over railroad tracks, you should be okay for the meantime. Yeah. I've only I've only drove it twice to work because I only work three twelves, so I only I don't have to drive to work a lot. So, very good, hard worker. 
I will say, look into clocking your transfer case versus modifying your tub. It may end up being an easier procedure for you in the long run, uh, and it may yeah. give you more clearance uh, as far as your breakover angle is concerned in the long run. I'm just not sure that the skid plate and the tub have enough clearance to clock it either way, so I'm not sure if that will change too much, but I mean, I can look into it. Good point. Good point. Let us know how things turn out, and I appreciate, uh, appreciate you chiming in. Uh, yep. Tony, what about, what about you, man? Uh, we haven't heard uh, too many scary stories uh, from you. And now uh, I will say that uh, you've certainly got plenty of, uh, of room for it. Uh, uh, the original story for buying your Jeep was to get out of a hurricane weather. Um, anything ever close to that ever happen? No, not really. Uh, I was, uh, when Bob uh, was talking about jumping things, it reminded me a lot of uh, whenever I was uh, young and driving cars. Now, I never did jump anything. Uh, not on purpose, uh, but uh, there was <laughs> lots of incidents uh, of uh, things that happened in uh, in cars. But as far as Jeeps go, the only thing that ever happened uh, that I was really scared about uh, was, uh, and, and I'm sure you remember this story, Josh. I was uh, driving into work, and there was a tropical depression. Uh, I was on uh, the, uh, the Houston Audubon, and we call it Beltway 8, and uh, I was uh, driving too fast in the, the wet weather. So the, uh, I, 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 was, I mean, I think I was even going, what's wrong with you people? Get out of the way. You're, you're driving too slow. If you, you should buy a Jeep, you know, and then you can drive normal speeds. Right. And I caught some water somewhere, somehow, and started spinning. And, oh. and it was, uh, I was right next to, and that's why I say right next to, I mean, Beltway 8 has about 42 lanes. So <laughs> it's, it's very wide. And that's just on one side. It's very wide. And uh, but I was uh, driving by probably a thirty foot uh, retaining wall, uh, just solid because it kind of dipped down, and I start spinning, and I'm thinking to myself, "Come on, just you know, get get done spinning and don't hit anything." Yeah. And, and then about that time, I hit that thirty foot retaining wall with the oh. back the back of the Cherokee, and it uh, messed up the rear quarter panel, uh, the rear bumper. Uh, it was still perfectly drivable. Uh, but, uh, boy, it was crunched. It was crunched really bad. So, uh, and this was before the lift or any of that stuff that, uh, that happened on it. And, uh, so fortunately friend of the family, uh, mechanic, uh, also to kind of a makeshift body shop, uh, they reskinned the, uh, driver's side rear quarter panel, uh, you know, basically drilled out all the welds, yeah. removed yeah. the, uh, the skin, got That's another skin, it, right? put it yeah. on there, painted it red. Uh, and, uh, uh, I can, I can, there's some spots in there I can point at and you could see that it was, uh, uh, that it was wrecked. Um, mm. cause you know, stuff underneath, you don't, don't really have to pay close attention to, right. but as far as operationally goes, it has not been an issue. And this was, I guess it was like two or three, year, three years old at the time. It wasn't very, very old, uh, when yeah. this happened. No, they're so, not going to total it out for that. <laughs> well, I didn't even report it. Uh, I just, oh. Just had it taken care of. Uh, it was it was my mistake, my uh, my fault, and uh, yeah. uh, I really didn't want uh, the uh, additional uh, uh, expense for the uh, uh, for the insurance. And I think I probably had five hundred or something deductible. It wound up being about fifteen hundred dollars to to get repaired. So boy, out nowadays it'd be a ten grand repair. <laughs> well, and that was friend of the family too, so I'm sure it would have been oh. another another thousand uh, dollars easily. Oh, easily. But sure. uh, but he he had a a frame stretcher. 
So he put it on the frame stretcher to get everything back in line and then uh, reskinned. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, oh. it's worked out really well. But uh, that probably would have been the scariest thing, just, just not wanting to hit that wall. And it wasn't anything for me. I've been through enough stuff where I know I'm fine. I mean, I've, uh, I've, mm-hmm. I've been in, yeah. even in a high-speed wreck, and I was just sore the next day. So <laughs> I just didn't want to crunch the Jeep. But unfortunately, that happened. Crazy. Well, you know what they say: stuff happens, and uh, we've all got stories to to share uh, after afterwards, and and that's what it's all about, right? Having a good story, being able to walk away, laugh about it afterwards, all that sort of stuff. Well, big thanks out to uh, Chris, even though he was uh, had to take off a little bit early. Bill, of course, Jason, John, Larry, Josh, Steve, Travis, Bob, Greg, Nathan, and uh, was it Gary? Uh, whoever the Garrett. user was in there, Garrett. Uh, thanks to all of you guys for uh, for sharing some really great stories. Good campfire side chat tonight. And of course, if you would like to join in on the campfire side chat, well, you can. It's very easy to do so. We're going to give you a number of ways to get in on the fun. Uh, first way, well, you can follow us on Facebook. Uh, we put out notifications all the time. Uh, lots of great information coming out on uh, the Jeep Talk Show Facebook pages. Uh, so be sure to go check us out there. Uh, you can, of course, receive notifications via our newsletter as well. Direct link uh, to, uh, to get in on the Zoom room, as you heard uh, uh, some of the listeners around the campfire tonight talking about, uh, and, and the, uh, the voicemails and stuff like that. Uh, we highly encourage you to do that. It's a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of people are, are uh, really talking quite highly about it. And uh, it's really easy to sign up for the newsletter, and it's just as easy to unsubscribe as well. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. You're going to find a link to click and sign up. It's just as easy to unsubscribe as it is to subscribe. Well, that's it for the show for this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, remember, we have a 24-hour voicemail line that you can call and leave a message on at any time or level of sobriety. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. And don't forget, friends don't let friends drive stock. Guessing since 2010.